This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we are officially into... April, which means that we can hit the draft content hard at this point. We've been kind of kind of waiting, haven't been releasing any of our mock draft Mondays because we don't want to oversaturate you considering we're kind of still in the mix with free agency. But now, now we can officially talk about the draft. Perry, I know you love the draft as much as I do. So who do you want to talk about first? It's April. It's <laughs> month. Yeah. Um, who do I want to talk about first? Well, I feel like before we dive into players, we should just like talk about kind of like the Packers landscape because they've got a really, they have, I think you said 11 picks, um, to be determined if Goot actually picks 11 players or if he uses them to move around the board, which he has been known to do. Um, but I think they have a ton of ammunition to go and get the guys that they really want. Um, and it was stated by both Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur this week that some unexpected things could be happening for the Packers in this draft. So I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, for Mark Murphy calling Aaron Rodgers a complicated fellow, which, I mean, he is. Murphy was also incredibly cryptic. He said, uh, the full quote, I believe, is, with the draft capital we have now, I'll just say the draft is going to be very interesting. So, you know, you and I have talked about this on the show before, but curious your thoughts on what the Packers do with this draft capital. Obviously, they got quite a haul from the Devontae Adams trade from the Raiders. So they've got four picks inside the top 60, two in the first round, two in the second round. I guess my first question is, do you think they make four picks in the top 60? Yes. Okay. I think that is just something that you don't get very often is that many picks, even in the top 100, right? They have five in the top 100 right now, which is huge. Um, And you can go get five high-impact key players. Um, Do I think that they stay at 22, 28, 53, and 59? I don't know about that. But I think that um, that capital is going to be used on four players. Okay, that's interesting. So you don't think there's any way that they like bundle 28 and like, you know, or try to move up into the first, maybe jump up to like the early teens? Jumping up to the early teens would be really interesting. I actually think that the sweet spot in this draft is from like 20 to 60. I agree. Um, There's just a lot of really good players 
that they could grab in the beginning of the second round, even depending on needs. It obviously, of course, totally dependent on how the board falls day of. And I feel like we've seen tons of mocks and I've been on, you know, the draft network and looking at things and it never turns out the way things are mocked. Right. So you never know. Um, But I think that there are like kind of three key needs that the Packers are going to go get. And that's aside from players that I think they take every year, no matter what. So I kind of think of players you always take every draft, no matter what, as offensive linemen, both interior and tackle um, and cornerback as just like players they always go grab. Um, But I think the key needs this season particularly are obviously wide receiver, um, edge and safety. And those three have really nice depth, but the premium guys are all like in that top 60, right? So I, I think they use those. The only way I could see the Packers not having all four picks is if they use one of those to trade for someone in this free agency period. But I don't know. I don't know who that would be, and I don't know who would even be worth one of those premium picks at this point. Yeah, and the way the front office tends to operate, you know, they are more conservative. So it's hard to think, like, yes, you have, I know DK Metcalf is a hot, hot name right now as far as, like, somebody that could, you know, be acquired in a trade. But the Packers are basically using him on a one-year rental, and then they'd be forced to pay him. Mm-hmm. wide receiver one salary on the open market. So knowing the Packers front office and knowing Goot and the draft and develop kind of mentality of this team, I just don't see them taking a flyer out on somebody unless, you know, it's a proven, I don't know, like defensive lineman or something, which they already kind of did with Reed. I think they're just going to take some swings for the fences here with their own scouted guys in the draft. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up Reed because that also makes me feel like the Packers might draft a defensive lineman yeah. because Goot does that double up so often. And it's clearly a need that they feel like is worth investing in if they went out and got a free agent and you want someone behind him and Kenny, et cetera, to develop. So now it's not an immediate need where you need to plug that hole with a rookie. You can have Reed, you can have TJ Slayton rotate in. You have obviously Lowry and potentially Tyler Lancaster come back and then you can develop a defensive lineman. I think there are actually some really, really strong defensive linemen in the first round that the Packers could take. I'm, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast yet, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers left the first round and haven't picked a wide receiver yet. I think that it's totally possible that they use this capital on two premium defensive guys, or maybe a, one of the top tackles um, and then do wide receiver in the second round. Cause that's their sweet spot. So I want Packer fans to freak out. That happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm in the same camp and you know, it's, it's fun to think about the Packers finally investing in a first round wide receiver. And I think that's just because it's new. If the Packers had done it two out of the last like six draft classes, it wouldn't be like this, this thing that it is, but it's, it's kind of like this monkey on their back where it's like, will they, or won't they? And if they don't this season, it'll be next season. Like, Oh, look, there's more really good wide receivers or the Packers going to jump. And it's just not how they operate. They're always going to take the best player available at the position they value the most. And I think we've seen from them positions they value the most are, edge rushers and corners over even, you know, wide receivers. And I know that was easier to prioritize when they had Devontae Adams on the roster, but still, I think knowing where the holes are on this roster and knowing kind of the pockets that have shown themselves in this draft class, we'll see there has to be a wide receiver before the top 60. 
Yeah, there's there's no way they leave if they do use all four of those picks. I, w- I mean, I'd love to see them use two of them on mm-hmm. a wide receiver, right? Or or potentially using, I think they have 92 um, as well. Because there are a bunch of guys that fit the scheme so perfectly and would be super fun. Um, I think all of those names have been floated around Twitter ad nauseum. Um, but it would be it would just be a disservice to the team to not use like this amount of draft capital in a pretty wide receiver rich draft class um, and just leave those two rounds. But they've done it before. So I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I think the hard part, too, is like the Packers are always really good at stocking the cupboard when it gets bare. And they're normally really good at doing it before the cupboard gets bare. So, yes, Randall Cobb came back, you know, took a pay cut to come back and Alan Lazard came back. But beyond them, everyone's an unproven commodity. You've got Amari Rogers. You've got guys like Jawan Winfrey, even people like EQ and MVS that knew the system but weren't going to maybe be like dynamic, you know, long-term game changers for the Packers. They have left. So knowing how long it takes Aaron Rodgers to acclimate with his receivers, it feels like you have to swing for the fences in this draft, get two, maybe even three guys, and give them not only this offseason but next season because we don't know if Randall Cobb will be here in 2023. And if Aaron Rodgers is really going to play two, three more seasons, he's going to need some weapons that he can slowly develop a relationship with because we know it's not going to happen overnight. It's interesting that you say that because I've had this debate with my dad excessively over the last few weeks because we're on very different sides of this. (laughs) And he's like very much in the camp of they need to go out and get a proven vet because of what you just said, where Aaron Rodgers takes so long to develop relationships and especially historically doesn't trust rookie wide receivers. And while I don't necessarily disagree, I am more in on the side of wide receivers are becoming so much more pro ready now in college. And we've seen rookies have high, high impact on their teams. I mean, change teams, right? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, but even guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, who came on in the second half of last season, was a rookie for the Lions and blossomed in his rookie season. And I think that if this is the case, with Rodgers is going to have to get over it if this is a problem for him because he doesn't have Devontae Adams. And yes, he has Cobb. And yes, he has Lazard. And Tunyon's going to come back at some point. But if the Packers go out and draft like Chris Olave, who is by far and away, you know, touted to be the most pro ready polished route runner, he's going to have to throw him the ball. Yeah. And I mean, I think a big part of that too is who's been on what team Jordan Love has been running the scout team. So it makes sense that, you know, when Juwan Winfrey runs into the lineup, Aaron Rodgers is like, okay, I've maybe thrown him three balls like outside of training camp. So I think that makes a difference too. If you draft a guy like Olave, he's coming in and he's going to be immediately one of your starting boundary receivers. So they would have all that time to develop some chemistry in training camp. I think that's why we didn't see too much out of Amari Rodgers because he was always with like the twos and the threes because they had Devontae and Cobb and Lazard and MVS. And it was like, okay, well, you know, you guys are just been relegated to the bottom of the depth chart. So I, I don't, I struggle with that. I don't, I don't know if I want the Packers to spend draft capital on or free agency salary cap capital at this point on a a veteran wide receiver when there are other areas I think they could use that money for what, like a Jair extension. I think I'd rather just have them go through the draft at this point. Cobb can be the vet in the room there. Yeah, absolutely. So what other positions do you have your eye on or any specific players? Do you have a draft crush yet? I have two draft crushes. I think like as a whole, like 
I don't spend a lot of my time with wide receivers normally. Like I know the group as a whole, but I don't want to fall in love with one because the last time I actually let myself love a player, it was Justin Jefferson and it just, (laughs) it never goes well for me. So I have two players on the defense side of the ball that I really love, you know, shockingly. Um, We've talked about one before on the show, uh, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. I just think he'd be such a fun safety of the future, regardless of, you know, an Amos extension or whatever happens with Arnold Savage. They're going to have to start making decisions with him too soon, whether it's a fifth-year option, whether they extend him, whether they're ready to part ways. So safety, I think, is kind of a sneaky need for the Packers in this draft. I don't even think it's sneaky. I think it is. You just think it's a need. It's it's just a need. Yeah. And I'd love to see them go grab one of the top guys. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Henry Black was the guy that kind of played that third safety role and he's not with the team. So you've got Vernon Scott in his gains. And I think that's it. And Barry used in nickel packages and dime packages more often than not actually a third safety versus Mm -hmm. a third corner. And I don't know if that was just out of pure need because of injuries in the cornerback room or if because that's just like his scheme but I can see them needing and wanting to take a safety high to fill that hole and then also obviously have depth there because it's not like the safety position like you said has tons of guys behind them Vernon Scott didn't even suit up a single game last season Um, and I also think that it's still like kind of a big question mark on who's going to play in the slot Yeah, Like, yes, Jair can play inside, but you don't really want your shut down boundary corner always inside. You need him outside at some point. Stokes clearly needs to stay on the outside, at least for now. And I don't know if you can move Rasul Douglas around like that, but I think slot that slot corner slash safety position is still a hole. And so if you go out and get one of a safety like Jaquan Brisker or Dax Hill or Lewis Siney, those are guys that can also fill that slot role as well as being that third safety. So they're a lot, they're very versatile in this draft. And that's why I think the Packers might go for one of them. Yeah. And I mean, the Packers, you know, made it work with Chandon Sullivan and he actually had a really good season in the slot. So then of course, obviously he departed to the Vikings. So as, as that tends to happen, you know, the little brother in the NFC, but yeah, I mean, outside of, I think, you know, corner, probably not as much corner, but some type of defensive back being a position that the Packers will target early just because historically they do. I think there has to be an edge rusher with one of the top 60 picks. It would honestly probably shock me if the Packers didn't take one of the edge rushers. And, you know, David Ajabo, I really liked. I didn't think there was any way that he was going to get to, at that time, 28. Then he had the unfortunate injury and probably will not be much of a factor this season, even if he is healthy. So maybe he'll slide and the Packers would take a flyer on somebody like that. You think they would take him even with the injury? That's what I've been trying to wonder because edge isn't necessarily like the strongest position of need for them. So if he was going to be a developmental guy, they, I think, can afford that that luxury of like letting him rehab because they know they've got Rashawn, they've got Preston, as long as they felt good about somebody else in the room. But mm-hmm. Um, the, the edge rusher I really like is Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. He's my favorite. And I think I tweeted this like a while ago, but, uh, Lance Zerline comps him as a Rashawn Geary kind of developmental, likely really, you know, really expo- explosive, super athletic, super raw, not going to be your day one guy, but will just keep ascending as he gets more reps. Very Gudekunst-esque player. Right, the mm-hmm, like sure. athletic ability that you can mold into whatever it is that you want. Um, I am curious about that, though, when you 
if you do take a developmental guy in that room, you know, without Mike Smith, that's putting also a lot on the new outside linebackers coach to kind of do that work. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that person is able to do that, if the that's the route that the Packers take with that position. Yeah. And I mean, I think that says a lot. It could also be, you know, out of spite, but you you can tell what Mike Smith meant to guys like Zadarius Smith, that he was like willing to, you know, wanting to go back to Baltimore, knows he can get more money and is like, no, I want to go where Mike Smith is. And Mike Patton, like, I know, you know, Packers fans probably didn't love Mike Patton because of some of the softer defenses he played, but his players liked him a lot. And I think I would say having him there was probably another reason that Janet Sullivan went where he did. For sure. I mean, when the, also when the coaching staff knows you, they're more inclined to advocate for mm-hmm. you within the organization and, and bring yeah. you on. I think it makes total sense. It's just unfortunate. Um, I, a, an edge rusher that I really like that I think will definitely be there at least at 22. And if not at 28 is George Karlaftis. Yep. I think he's been like pretty underrated, but again, like super athletic. He has an eight, seven, three RAS score right in that range. Um, and just seems to be a player that the Packers would enjoy having. He could slide in, I think, day one and and be impactful versus taking a more um, developmental guy. He's such a goody pick, too, because he's only 20. You yeah. know, like he's so young. And I think that's, you know, it's not to say that the, the Packers have to draft in these certain parameters, but we know their type. It's going to be someone that's freaky athletic and really young. So, you know, he checks those kinds of boxes. A question I have for you, you know, we talked about the secondary a little bit. We talked about edge. We talked about wide receiver. Do you think the Packers right tackle of the future is on the roster right now? Or do you think tackle is kind of a sneaky position to need. Do you think it's like a, Hey, we got Yash Nyman until Elton Jenkins gets healthy. And then he's going to be our right tackle. Or do you think it's, Hey, we should probably figure this out in the draft since we got rid of Billy Turner and we haven't re-signed Dennis Kelly. I think it's a little bit of both because I just think that the Packers value offensive linemen and do such a good job drafting offensive linemen um, that I can't see a world where they just don't take anybody Um, I still think it'll be kind of later in the draft unless one of those top players is still available in the first round. I could see them doing that. I'm looking at who's still on the roster and it's definitely a need. Um, it's just definitely a hole. So I, I can't see a world where they don't draft somebody now. Could Yash kick out to right tackle? Maybe, but he played only left. So Mm -hmm. it really just depends where they think they can slot guys in. But I would be beyond shocked if they didn't draft somebody to fill that hole. Yeah, I had to do the uh, positional anal- positional analysis for the Cheesehead TV draft guide. And going through you know, the, the interior of the offensive line, it's like, okay, they've got Josh Myers. They have a couple other backup centers on the roster like Jake Hansen. They've got John Runyon Jr., who I think is going to lock down one of the guard spots, whether he does that, you know, and then the other spot is filled by Elton Jenkins when he comes back, or if Royce Newman is the guy for a while. Feel pretty good about the interior, but when you get to the offensive tackles, it's like, okay, there's David Bakhtiari, who, thank God, will be healthy and ready to play. Yash, who you already said, you know, only played left tackle. Do they give him looks at right tackle? Mm-hmm. And then I think Cole Van Lannan is the only other, like, swing tackle on the roster. Right. So, you know, I wonder if that's a position that they take like a Jared Valdir, Dennis Kelly kind of look at maybe after the draft, if there wasn't a player that they really liked that fell to them. Otherwise, 
I do think we're going to see at least one or two big guys come off the board. For sure. I mean, Royce Newman is technically tackle slash guard, but I think it's clear that he's going to stay in the interior. I feel like the Packers are going to bring like 12 to 13 guys into camp. So however they fill those, whether it's the draft or seeing who's available in free agency, like they're going to bring enough in um, and see who fits in best. It's it's just not a position I ever worry about. Mm -hmm. I just, I I fully believe they're going to trot out the best guys, especially now that Steno is offensive coordinator. Um, That's just going to be, um, locked down. I did want to ask you about linebacker. Okay. And specifically inside linebacker, because this has been a really interesting, like last kind of year and a half with the Packers where a position they have never valued before all of a sudden they're paying big money to the free agent that they brought in last year in Devondre Campbell, rightfully so fully deserved. And really all they have is Chris Barnes and like Ty Summers. Right. And so I'm also of the mindset, maybe things are changing at 1265 <laughs> and the Packers go out and get one of the, if not the top, one of the top inside linebackers, somebody in the later rounds, like in the third round with that number 92 picks, there's a couple of guys like Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, Troy Anderson, Montana, like a little bit of later that I think could still be impactful. Um, or it's just wishful thinking and the Packers are going to just go Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes because they really only play one true inside linebacker on most like base packages. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, we've we've been discussing the inside linebackers like nonstop on Pack-A-Day. And I think that's that's why it's because, you know, Joe Barry came in and his reputation even before he got to Green Bay was that he was the inside linebackers whisperer. So it's like, all right, well, this is his specialty. It's what, you know, he won a Super Bowl with the inside linebackers. He's helped guys like Corey Littleton get big contracts. You know, Troy Reader um, just worked with a lot of really good talent at the Rams. So then he comes here and the Packers, it's like, well, good. We don't have inside linebackers. And then Devondre Campbell, whether it's a coincidence or not, has his best season as a pro, makes all pro first team. So it's it's like, what do you attribute that to? Is it the Joe Barry effect? Is it the scheme? Is it all the above? Is it him getting to be Batman instead of Robin? Or, you know, I and I think that's kind of the question. So I, I like the way you said, you know, is is the tone changing at 1265? Are they starting to value the position more? Or will we see them kind of make do with the other pieces that they have because they have Devondre now? Right. Um, I I have a really hard time seeing them prioritize inside linebacker. I think they're going to roll with Chris Barnes. I could see them taking like a fourth round, fifth round kind of guy, maybe to help bolster special teams. But if it was like a top 100 pick, that would kind of shock me, I think. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, look, I think that the tandem that we had in Barnes and Campbell was great. And obviously they tendered Chris Barnes and he'll be up for contract next season. So they have a year to, you know, see what he's got. So there is potential, right, where he stays is that, like, inside linebacker number two, and they give him the opportunity to say, do you want to stay here um, or go get your money elsewhere? I don't know. I just think that it's been so clear how much that inside linebacker tandem can just demolish offenses. And, again, it could be a world where the Packers take a safety, right, that kind of plays that slot corner or potentially that like kind of more hybrid linebacker role where they come down into the box. Like there's a way that they don't take a traditional inside linebacker, but play them, you know, for 
closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, but I just can see them valuing that a little bit more, just seeing what Joe Barry did last season. But also, if you're looking at history, you're exactly correct. And, you know, they could just roll with what they have. I would just be pretty excited if they took a guy like Devin Lloyd or Nicobe Dean in the first round. I don't know if they'll make it to them because other teams are valuing inside linebackers higher now than the Packers do. But I just think that would wreck offenses and it would be so fun. Last week on Packaday, we had Dan Dalkey come on, who does inside linebackers for Cheesehead TV. And we had him give like a breakdown of inside linebackers that he really likes. And something he said that has stuck with me this entire time, because I I already loved Darian Beavers. I already, he was like my favorite inside linebacker, just from a versatility standpoint. He said that there's some of the guys in this class, Beavers being one of them, that they're big enough that they would give Joe Barry the, the versatility to use them inside or have them rush off the edge in some packages. And that's kind of, I think, where I would see the Packers going. I think they would take a big inside linebacker that they could use as a hybrid edge or like a roaming nose even, kind of what we saw Z doing. I think it's going to be someone that can play at every point on the, the, you know, that defensive front. I have a hard time seeing them take like a small, true inside linebacker. Like a Jeffrey Simmons type guy. Yeah. Right? Like isn't he the one Michael Parsons. Justin Simmons is maybe the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, on the Broncos. Yeah where when he came out in the draft, everyone was like, he can play anywhere in the defense. And like, that's kind of the role that you're envisioning. Yeah. Justin Simmons. Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh boy. And then of course the Packers will go and do something completely different from everything that we talked about. (laughs) And we will find a way to justify how it will work for them. Yeah. Last question, you know, before we wrap this one, do you think the Packers will take a special teamer kicker or punter? (laughs) I just hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Because they have they they're keeping Crosby and they have JJ Molson. So the kicker competition is fine there. They signed Pat O'Donnell, punter. So I don't think there's a reason for them to draft anybody. You don't think, you know, Rich Passaccio would come in and be like, that guy's got a leg, and they'd be like, All right, Rich, we'll throw you. Maybe if they want to use their seventh round pick, fine. <laughs> you're like absolute fifth rounder get out of here i think i agree with Corey banky on this like don't don't use capital on those guys see but that's funny because special teams like arguably any better special teams would have got the packers into the nfc championship but just and then when it comes time to justify it in the draft we're like boo ew. you can upgrade <laughs> without drafting like there are gonna yeah. be a hundred undrafted special team guys that you can go get that's fair that's fair. All right. Any uh, any last thoughts before we – I'm sure we'll take a deeper dive these next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll do offense and defense and then a holistic mock or something. I don't know what we've done in the past. But any final thoughts on, like, the draft as a whole? Any surprises that you think are coming? No, I'm just very excited. I think there's going to be a lot of movement like normal. Um, I don't expect Goot to stay put. I don't think he ever has in the first round, maybe last year when he took Stokes. Um, But I don't know. I'm just excited. I love draft season. My favorite part about the draft is seeing all these guys' dreams come true. That's my heartwarming sentiment for the evening. Um, And we will be putting out our mock draft Mondays again this month. So you can all look at them and vote and critique us on our choices. Um, and have a nice, healthy, friendly discussion on Twitter about it. 
Yeah, good vibes only. Um, I'm just hoping that the Packers, you know, if they want to trade up in the first round, that's great because I got to do the uh, the pack a day recap after the entire first round ends. So if they decide to hop back to like 32, or if we get all the way to 28, and they're like, now nah, we're gonna trade out of the first round. I don't want to deal with that. So Packers make two picks in the first round, and that will be really exciting for all of us. This is Pax What She Said. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Pax What She Said, PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram at Pax What She Said. Thank you, as always, for listening. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down.